Hello and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa, and the podcast is in partnership with PR Daily, which is the preeminent brand for public relations professionals delivering news, advice, opinions, and benchmarking via PRDaily.com. Join me there to find more episodes for the podcast. And if you like the podcast, please do leave a review and share it with your colleagues so that more folks can find it online. Thanks so much. Well, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today, I am lucky enough to catch Reed Albergati, who is the tech editor for another new publication on the street called Semaphore. Uh, And I can't wait to get into it to hear more about the work that Reed and his team is doing. Reed, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. So... Let's get into this because there's so many questions. There's so many things I want to know about the publication. It looks to me from the research I've done that you guys have really sort of established a set of verticals. But in addition to the verticals and the topics and the and the areas that you guys are covering, it looks like it's important to semaphore from the start that global news with a wide range of sources and transparent coverage coverage is really sort of how you're coming to this platform. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, global is is one part of it and transparency is the other. And, you know, covering tech, I mean, it's a lot of it is, I mean, it's clearly a global beat. Um, but the transparency part is kind of the the thing that I think of as our differentiator, just, just as in terms of our vertical. Mm-hmm. So, but before this, before you came to this new outlet, and we're going to get into that in a minute because I want to talk about the newsletter and I want to talk about what you guys are doing there. You have been at this in the tech space for some time for for East Coast-based uh, publications, but you're out on the West Coast. Talk to me a little bit about your background and how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was I was at the Wall Street <clears throat> Journal in New York and I was on the white collar crime beat um, covering you know the FBI and, and the Southern District of New York and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I heard there were some openings on the tech team and they transferred me out. And I, you know, sort of didn't realize what I was getting myself into um, covering. I ended up covering Facebook. Oh, wow. And uh, that was sort of my my introduction. Um, so that was like 20, late 2013, early 2014. Okay. Um, and I, I just had I just had a book publish on um, Lance Armstrong. Uh, I want to talk about that today. Story. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, it was just a, it, it's a, it's a completely different world out here that, you know, I think people kind of fail to grasp um, just, just how different the culture is. And um, it's been almost 10 years now covering it. And I feel like I'm still kind of still learning stuff about, you know, the way people think and, and the way it all works out here. Well, the industry keeps changing, so it's impossible for you to get tired. I mean, it, you're just moving all <laughs> the time trying to keep up, I imagine, right? I mean, it's, there's it's so true. much happening. That's part of the fun of it. Um, oh, and then just to kind of like close the loop on the on that, I mean, I I worked for, um, I went to The Information, which is a publica- another startup publication um, founded by Jessica Lesson, who I I gotten to know at the Wall Street Journal and uh, worked there for four years, and then sort of went back to the East Coast <laughs> publication, as you as you put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it worked for the Washington Washington Post for three years, right? And but covering um, and covering recently covering tech for them, right? All co- yeah, all of this is covering tech, yeah. And um, and then 
Ben Smith, who the founder of Semaphore, um, called me in the spring and told me what he was doing. And I just thought it's such an interesting idea and, you know, so refreshing. And I mean, I had so much fun at the information when they were new and we were growing and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a great experience to build something new and just really appealed to me. So I, um, jumped ship and, you know, took, took, took a risk, but, um, you know, I think it seems to be working out. We're having a lot of fun and, uh, the audience is growing steadily and it's, uh, it feels feels like it was a good decision. The one thing I've learned, so over the course of the last couple of weeks, as I mentioned to you before we got started, um, I've talked to a lot. I mean, I've been trying to really get to know sort of the personalities and the beats and the things that these different outlets that are sort of emerging um, are really caring about, right? Because as as a PR person, I want to know more about like you know what what is it that I need to care about or be pitching in order to give Reed a call? Cause I'm not going to waste his time. Cause I know you get a thousand pitches a day and there's a lot of things that are coming through. So I've actually, like, I really tried to, what I've tried to do with the podcast is try to carve out, you know, how do we be better? How do we, how do we land a story? How do we be useful to journalists? And the one thing that I'm taking away from my conversations with each and every one of your colleagues at the ones that the other publications that I've talked to is that it's a little bit liberating for you guys. Like it's, it's a lighter, there's not so much of a, um, an old bureaucracy behind you. There's some flexibility, there's some movement, there's ways to sort of be innovative and thoughtful in ways that maybe weren't available to you, uh, in a more established operation. But you tell me, I mean, that's sort of my observation from the outside in. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think as, as far as pitching goes, I mean, we're, you know, I think we live and die on, on exclusives, you know, and scoops. So we're always, we're always interested in that and stuff that we can, we can have that other people don't have. Um, As far as like the, the liberating point that you made, I mean, that is absolutely true. We're, you know, this format that we have where we kind of deconstruct an article and, and, separate the facts like the the scoop from the analysis mm-hmm. um it's really it's it's really i've had a lot of fun with it because i get to, we basically have a section uh that says you know the reporter's view so in my case reed's view yeah um and i just say here's what i think this means and so it you could take a a story that like we'll have one tomorrow which you know um i guess i can tell you because it's not going to this is going to air but the, the story is about there's a mini scoop about you know Microsoft using um, AI to like a, as a test internally um, mm. using AI in an experiment where you can actually just tell Minecraft what you want to build and it will just automatically build it. It's a mini scoop, but like it's then I have this opportunity to write this whole analysis about what that means, what I think that means for uh, the video game industry mm-hmm. and. I don't have to call an expert, right, and say, you know, can you tell me what, what do you think? And, right. Instead, and have them sort of like <laughs> say what I think, yeah. but like through the, I just say this is my view. And by the way, there's other ways of looking at this. Absolutely. And we do another section where it's like, well, here's what this person thinks, and I, I think readers have really responded well to it, and mm-hmm. I, I still think we haven't even fully we haven't even fully explored like all the ways we can experiment with it and, yeah. and add value. But it is, I mean, it's definitely liberating because you would just, you would sort of in, in previous jobs, like you had this format that you had to stick to where 
you're trying to get your argument across in the form like like basically laundering it through you know quote unquote objective reporting yeah and that is that actually has become a format that's very frustrating for people mm-hmm. in this new era where you know everything all the information is flowing constantly on social media and other uh, platforms people just don't they 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 don't want any kind of bias that they don't understand i think they're okay with people saying here's my point of view mm-hmm. but what readers really hate is when they have to read between the lines and like figure out like what is this reporter's angle and you know that's t- to me that's that I mean that is the transparency part that that you mentioned earlier and yeah it's been a lot of fun but i think but i love that too because i do think that especially now um, in a time when journalists really are establishing, I mean, as much as Semaphore is your brand and that's where you're writing and you're, you're also somebody that people are following because they want to know what your point of view is. You've been covering the industry a long time. Like you have interesting thoughts about how and what this means. That's what people, that's, they're like, so what, right? I mean, that's really the question that people want an- answered is so what, why do, why should I care about this? And I think that that more than ever is that is the thing that people are seeking out in the coverage that they're looking for. So that's so interesting. Um, and I noticed it in some of your coverage that you really are doing that in a way that even if people can't get through all of what it is that you guys have uncovered or what you're sharing is news that day, they can really sort of get down to it. Like, okay, so what does Reed think about this? Like, what does this mean? And why should I care? Um, and that's really, to me, like, I think that that's a trend that we will continue to see more of in, in your space. Yeah, I I completely agree. So how does a guy from the Midwest end up on the East Coast writing about the Tour de France? I got to get I got to know because I was I was we were like we were riveted when he was when he was winning. And then we were crushed when it all came 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 through as not the truth. And then uh, in 14, you co-wrote a book about the cycling industry and sort of all of that. So we talk me through sort of how that all came together and how you ended up writing. Yeah, the book? that was, that was, I was a pretty young reporter at the wall street journal mm-hmm. and I got called into a meeting one day and the, I had been writing features for um, the week, the, this weekend section mm-hmm. um, of the journal. We, we had just added it. And I got called into this meeting and they said, it was like me and a few other people and they said, okay, so you guys are going to be covering sports now. <laughs> we sort of like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was, they, I had written a little bit about sports before. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. So we basically, we created this sports page um, at the Wall Street Journal. Uh-huh. And it was, it ran one day a week. Yeah. And, you know, we had, it was like, not covering games, you know, game stories or anything like that. Like we was had to it, go find interesting like the, angles. The business of sports, or yeah, I, it was basically. Yeah, okay. I mean, it was the business, but also just like we loved stats and number. I mean, it was like yeah. feature stories. It okay. could be really anything, and it, but we, I, I was interested in like the the business of cycling. Uh-huh. Um, we had talked about like all these characters kind of ran that sport in Europe and they're the same people who like, run the Olympics and FIFA. There's a lot of like crossover. So it was kind of like that story. And that sort of pulled me into that subject. Mm. And, like if you, if you even like dip your toe into that coverage area or did at that time, like you would like people, the, the, the concept that like Lance Armstrong doped was sort of just taken for granted. Like no, no one, no one, even though like the general public thought he was totally clean, at least in the U S mm-hmm. like inside the sport, it was like, 
Oh yeah, of course he of did. Of course he did. Um, and I never really thought that like, I never thought that he would ever be caught really because mm. I, I thought like, you know, there's almost, it's almost impossible to prove that someone's doping if they don't test positive. Like even if you had a photo of them with a syringe going into them, they could just say it was like vitamins or something. Right, right. Um, but then, but then like I got wind of this, this story that Floyd Landis, who was like a former yeah, uh, teammate of Armstrong, mm-hmm. had had sent these like emails around to a handful of people in the in the sport that kind of like detailed this doping program. And I broke that story yeah. uh, with Vanessa O'Connell, mm-hmm. my colleague. She had she was on the white collar crime beat at that time, actually. And um, we and then we just like chased that story for a year and broke every it became a federal investigation and we uh-huh. just we just broke basically every major story on that thing for for a year and then you know eventually he lost his his titles were stripped and that was sort of the moment when it became it was like okay this is the right time to write a book and you know just did that very quickly <laughs> Well, and that's so interesting you say that. Let me ask you a question before you finish that. Um, many of the other uh, journalists that I've talked to have said that a lot of their their writing for day-to-day coverage was what informed the book. Was that how that how the book came to be? Oh, yeah, completely. Okay. And to, to be honest, like I always knew it would be a book. Like awesome. I, I was just like, this so is much, right? going, this is like a huge story and it's, I, I will eventually write a book about it. So yeah. I sort of took notes thinking with that in mind That's awesome. and it was, it actually made it kind of easier to write the book because I, I had been thinking about it for like years by the time we I'm sure. sat down and, and, and actually wrote it. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So have you always wanted to be a journalist? I, I've always loved writing mm-hmm. um, since like a, I was young and then I think journalism was like, well, that's a profession that I can do that sounds fun and I get to write. And, and then I think over time, like I've the idea of, of sort of like uncovering the truth and like, you know, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but I sort of grew into that, um, into that role. So I don't know if I've always wanted to be a journalist, but I did, I did major in it in college and worked on the college paper. So, but I never, I wasn't even sure at that time. Like I thought, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, go to law school or something. Oh, we know, all had that thought for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we did. <laughs> but do you true. think, do you think, so, but you are a cyclist too, right? I mean, this is something you do sort of in your, in your spare time, like you ride and you, you like the sport yourself. So do you think that that also helped you sort of like dive into that and get more excited and sort of wanting to know more about what was going on in the industry? It did, Yeah, it did. I mean, it actually, it helped with reporting a lot because I could tell people like, Hey, I follow this sport and I, you know, I'm a cyclist myself. And I think validator. that helped me like yeah. build build trust with with sources mm. it really honestly though had nothing to do with why i got into the story because it was just <laughs> like this it was this like olympic corruption thing that kind of that kind of pulled me in but then once i once it t- took this turn toward armstrong and the doping it was it definitely helped yeah we well we in my house we, we followed it quite a bit my husband's a cyclist too loves you know he loves the sport and so we were all in on lance and then we were all dark on lance and now he's got this new podcast or at least he did i haven't really listened to it in a while but that was also kind of interesting for a while that also sort of endeared me a little bit to him again i don't know it's he's a he's a enigma in the whole space but um now- it's funny we were, i was having this conversation <laughs> today with some another people people who ride bikes and i I, I think that he's kind of this 
I think he's a character that like it's much more interesting to look at him not as like purely a villain. Yeah. Um, even though he clearly, I mean, if you if you read the coverage, like did a lot of things. That oh my god! Yeah. Pretty bad to people. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a. I think he's a more interesting character than just like a than a villain. I mean, there, and there was a lot of there were a lot of people in around him, and I think it's important to um to keep in mind that like he he wasn't on his own like there was a whole right. there was like lance inc right. um, and everybody was kind of was kind of in on it and you know that's an that's an important thing to keep in mind well and so as i thought about like while i was doing my research before we jumped on the phone i was trying to think about sort of the the, the connection between the two and in the way that you now cover the tech industry. And I think the way you describe Armstrong is similar to the way we sort of like identify with some of these icons in the tech space. Like some of these guys you want to say like they're a villain because of some of, but they're also sort of these super genius people. There's so many of these personalities in that space out there on the West coast in the tech space you, are you having a good time? I mean, this is fun to cover because it seems to me like it's every day is a new episode and something else that's coming our way. I know I am having a great time. And I, since I joined Semaphore, it's been even more fun because I can I have this newsletter and mm-hmm. I have like every day we just have one thing that we call enthusiasms, which is like Ben came up with that title. But it's it's like I just wanted a space where I could say, here's something cool that's happening in technology. And a lot of times it's like some research that like the national science foundation is funding, like the world's biggest magnet, you know, things like that. I just think it's, it's important to keep in mind that like the reason, the underlying reason why tech is, is an interesting coverage area and and is important is that people are like inventing things that are going to, that are going to like get us, allow us to survive in a warming climate, you know, right. really important things. Right. And it's all kind of moving in that direction. I think sometimes the coverage veers toward just purely almost like media criticism, because that's really what like Facebook and Twitter and all these companies are, right? They're publishers, they're media companies, even if they're not legally defined that way. Um, but I I really enjoy just the pursuit of, of or writing about like the pursuit of new technology and breakthroughs. And I was at last week in Redmond at the Microsoft launch of, of the new Bing chat thing. And mm-hmm. I just thought this is, this is fun. I mean, this is like when I was covering sports and I would go to the Super Bowl and, you know, sort of like there was this big spectacle and I, I it had this, it was the same kind of feeling, honestly. Yeah. And I can see how it would be because I feel like, so the newsletter is, is every day or is it, is it twice a week? It's twice a week. It runs Wednesday and Friday mornings. Wednesday and Friday mornings. That's what I thought. And so, but in between that, you're also reporting, right? Talk to me a little about sort of the cadence of your week. Like, how does that, how does that look for you? Are you right? You're obviously writing every day, but the newsletter itself is every other or Wednesday, Friday. Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the other day, so like basically my, I, I think, it ha- it actually is kind of nice to have that schedule. I've never had that in my career where there's like a, other than maybe when I was, I did an NFL column once. So that had to run, you know, based on that schedule, but it's like this, it's nice because I can say, okay, well like Mondays, when Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays are like my reporting days. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays are kind of like you're putting the newsletter together. So I know I'm, I'm not going to schedule like a bunch of meetings and calls on those days. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's kind of, um, 
it actually kind of works. It's a good, I think people, people like having more regular schedules, which as a journalist is like, is very difficult sometimes, yeah, but, but it also, um, to me, it, like, I think it shines through in the work that you guys are doing too, because it gives you a minute to pause to think about it, right? Because in, in your previous, in the previous roles that you've had in journalism, you haven't had a chance to say like, well, read, what do you think about this? So you have to really sort of pause and reflect and think about, so how does this, how do people, how should I care about it? Why should other people care about it? It, it? You have to have time to reflect on it or you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say time because I feel like I have less time than yeah. I did before because, you know, there's like, when you're at, when you're at like a large paper, it's, you know, if you want an extra day on your story, like it's fine. It's, there's other things uh, they can publish, but yeah, about you know, that, right? now it's like, no, it, it has to run. Um, I have to be done by like this time. And it's actually, it, it, it's actually kind of good. I think sometimes to be, to be forced to just, okay, like, I, I need to think, I need to stop and think like, you know, how should we look at this and how should I look at this and what am I going to say about it? And like, if you, sometimes I think some of these stories you can, you can almost like take too long to think and overthink it. Yeah, that's and definitely a actually, <laughs> Or at least I tend to do that. Maybe we all that's do. my yeah. personality flaw. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, you know, forced to sit there and figure it out, which is, I think, good. Right, right. So what kinds of trends are you following? You're obviously paying close attention to a lot of AI. That seems to be something that's drawing your attention in quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, that has definitely since, um, since we started breaking news on the, on this like Microsoft effort, Mm -hmm. um, we broke the the big story that they were going to put $10 billion into, um, into open AI Mm -hmm. additional investment. Um, and also that they were going to, you know, launch this Bing um, search engine thing that I think I I honestly think that this is this is going to be like the big story of the year and and it's going to completely upend the internet and upend technology I know I know there's there's definitely a lot of like overhyping of this stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot it has limitations and there's things that it can't do but like it's it's a it's a very powerful um, powerful technology that I think goes just beyond like these chat bots, right? It's, it's a, these large language models and what they call like transformer based models and AI are just allow mining huge data sets in a way that has never been possible before. And I think you'll see like advances in medicine, you know, biotech Ah, and things like that, like outside of just, just, you know, just words and information. I was going to ask you, is this a good thing or a bad thing? So it sounds like what you're saying is that it could be a very good thing. I, I think there, I mean, like any technology, there will be downsides, but, um, but I think there, there's a lot of upside and I don't believe that this is like, (laughs) we're on a road. I don't think this is the road that as, that as this progresses more and more, it's, it's not going to lead to like what they call artificial general intelligence where, you know, you have like a, like a sentient AI. I I don't, there, there needs to be other, there are other breakthroughs that have to happen. Mm -hmm. I think that will, I, I would predict will happen in like academia and not in, not in industry. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Well, that's really neat. So what other trends, anything else that we should be keeping an eye on is in the coming weeks, anything else that you're following that we should follow closer? Well, just in the coming weeks. In well, your, I, I, think, I think the other the other thing that we have 
I think that sets us apart. Like Louise Matsakis, who I, you know, she's my partner on the uh-huh. tech beat. Yep. It's just the two of us for now. She's a China expert. I mean, she's, uh, you know, yeah. speaks a bit of Mandarin and she's, you know, just like obsessed with TikTok and all of this, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I think that's an important story. I've I've heard from some readers that, well, you know, we're, as as we decouple from China, there's there are fewer investments to be made there, and so there's actually less interest in China. I I think we should have. I think people should really be paying close attention because, I mean, not only is it just an important geopolitical story, um, we're not going to completely decouple from China. Right. Um, there there will be and there will be like important technology issues going forward. Like, what do we do with TikTok? But there's also this sort of, I think we, we're already in a cold war, a cold technology war with mm-hmm. China. Interesting. And we have like federal dollars, like in the CHIPS Act and the Inflation Reduction Act going into funding new technology. And so the the narrative, the, this, this geopolitical situation is actually going to like, I think, create sort of a new golden era in hard technology, like just development of the kind of stuff that we, that we almost like forgot about it after the cold war. Like how do we, you know, push the boundaries of, you know, space exploration? How do we like advance, like, you know, into, into quantum computing and, um, you know, nuclear fusion, all this stuff. I I think that's going to really accelerate. So I'm sort of keeping an eye on all that stuff. That's fascinating. That I mean, I, I could, I could, yeah, that I could see how that would be really an interesting uh, beat to follow and to pay attention to, but also just to be in awe of it because it is so, there's so much that can be done. Um, and I, I absolutely love that for you because it sounds like you're having a great time doing it. Definitely. It's a fun job. Well, that's awesome. I wish you guys all the best um, as you grow and you expand. And we're going to keep a close eye on you here at the podcast. Um, Reed, as we get to the end of our conversation, my final question is always, uh, I ask for a recommendation for a future guest for my podcast. Have you, have you had uh, Jessica Lesson? I on? haven't. I think, I think they're doing, I mean, this is, maybe I'm biased because it's my former employer, but I, they're just doing they're doing great stuff right now, breaking so many stories in tech. Um, I think she's, she's probably, she's going to be like, she's going to build a media empire around that thing. So she's an interesting person too. Um, if, if you're focusing on like these new publications, I, I mean, it's been around now for a while, but it's still, you know, it's an independent sort of growing up and coming media organization. Um, I love, and that's really she's interesting. At the, she's at the information. She's the founder of the information Got it. and, uh, you know, just an interesting business model. There's no, they don't have advertising. Um, so I, you know, I'm always, That's I think terrific. I'll, I'll make sure I, to be on your radar. I would love it. And I'm going to tell her that you nominated her, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> and you know how this goes, right? I mean, if, if you get a cold pitch, there's a chance you might not get it. But if somebody calls and says, Lisa sent me your way, you might give them at least a few minutes before you say no thanks, <laughs> which is usually <laughs> the way it, I've been lucky enough that most of the people I've asked have been able to and interested in talking about their great background and what they're doing. Reed, thanks so much for your time today. And I can't wait to get this episode out in the world and to keep an eye on what you guys are doing there at Semaphore. Oh, thank you. It was a great conversation and I appreciate you uh, giving us some, some good exposure. 
And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.